In Nelson Bay, Australia, a 1957 green and cream-colored bus is parked beside the marina. A rectangular tent juts out from the side, and beyond that, a sandwich board. Shark in a bus, the sign says. Come see our huge, giant, great white shark. Hey guys, how are you going? Hey, how are you? Very good. This is my little travelling museum, Shark in a Bus. Uh, we've actually got a five metre long great white shark, fully preserved inside the bus. That's Paul Sharp, who started this museum on wheels in 2013. Besides the shark, the museum has whale skulls, whaling artefacts, marine fossils, even shark organs floating in formaldehyde. At first glance, it might seem like Paul is promoting the killing of marine creatures. But Paul says his goal is to engage people in conservation, especially those who may not be environmentally minded. It gives us a chance to talk to people who wouldn't normally come to museums or who might see a blatantly activist organisation and run the other way. Uh, fishermen see some of the objects I've got here, they see us as peers rather than outsiders. So it gives us a really great opportunity to, to talk one-on-one -on -one and talk about the challenges facing our ocean. Shark in the Bus may just have been in Paul's bones. His museum is a reincarnation of his father's museum from the 1970s. Paul's father owned the first public aquarium in Perth, Western Australia. When the aquarium shut down, his father put his collection of marine artifacts into a bus and drove that bus around Australia to educate the public about the ocean. When he died, Paul inherited the mission from his father, shark and all. So I ended up with this, uh, this great white shark and a big, big box and uh, a whole lot of other artifacts. Um, and I had to decide what to do with this stuff. I was living a pretty transient lifestyle, so the shark moved from girlfriend's garage to next girlfriend's garage, and it was uh, quite, a, uh, quite an interesting couple of years. Paul finally decided to give his girlfriends a break and open a museum of his own, but this took a lot of work. I bought the bus probably about eight years ago now, and it had been used as a, uh, a school bus for about 20 years. So there was chewing gum under seats and you know, graffiti on the walls. And I pulled all the seats out and started working on it uh, to turn it into the museum. Paul says the hardest part was getting the shark into the bus. Yeah, well, uh, getting the shark inside the bus was a, a really interesting journey. Um, basically, I caught a very, very small juvenile shark. And then I fed him lots and lots of backpackers until he got really, really fat. And that's how we got the big shark in the bus. No, seriously, uh, we actually cut the back off the bus and lifted him into the bus with a forklift and then sealed up the back of the bus again. Then Paul started driving in his father's tyre tracks around Australia. We travel all around Australia and take this to different communities, inland communities, coastal communities. It really is a blast when you take it to places where kids have never seen the ocean. When Paul says we, he's referring to himself and his partner, Silke Stukenbrock, who travels with him as much as she can. When she's around, she's a pretty good help. I tend to start finding things where I don't normally put them, but that's another story. <laughs> Even with Silka's help, Paul says managing the bus is a lot of work. Well, probably the most challenging thing is the 100% commitment you have to have to it. You basically need to be with it the whole time when you're on the road. Also, it's because I am constantly handling objects, packing things in and out of the bus on a daily basis for security. Despite the challenges, Paul's convinced he can make an impact with Shark and the Bus. I've been involved with education, conservation, animal rescue all my life. When I decided to really devote my life to it, uh, I stopped and thought, where can I have best impact? Or how can I be most effective? And this collection gave me a really unique point of public engagement.
Paul says public opinion about sharks has shifted over the last 40 years. Most people now understand that sharks are not man-eaters. But Paul says many people still have a fear of sharks. There are misconceptions that sharks might get a taste for human flesh or uh, sharks are coming in closer than they ever had before, which they aren't. So what's it like to visit Shark in a Bus? Paul likes to give people accurate scientific information. And people from around the globe, like English tourists, Henry and Natalie Jacob, are very interested. Henry says they were just walking by and decided to come in for a look. We just stopped in town for a couple of days and we went whale watching this morning and we saw the bus in the port and um, thought we'd, we'd pop in. And the idea of a shark on a bus was quite appealing. So Henry and Natalie pay the $5 entry fee and Paul begins his tour. So the way it works, you come in through the front door and you work your way through the bus. As Henry and Natalie walk through, Paul is enthusiastic about sharing his knowledge. On the left here we have a say whale skull. It's actually um, one of the baleen whales. In front of that there's a used harpoon and this is the kind of harpoon that the Japanese and the, the other nations who are still unfortunately whaling, this is what they use to, uh, to hunt the whales and it's been twisted by the whale's death throes. But it's the great white shark in the glass case that catches Natalie and Henry You're by from surprise. This guy, Frankie, our shark. Oh, really? Oh, God, I didn't even see him. You didn't him. see him? He's big, huh? Paul tells the English couple the story of the shark, which Paul has named Frankie. Paul explains that his father deliberately hunted Frankie with the intention of preserving him. It was that old attitude of museums, if you want to teach people about something, catch it, stuff it and show it to them. He did choose a, uh, a smaller male because he thought that would have less impact than taking a larger female. Uh, but yeah, he always said to me that he felt bad about, about killing Frankie. Paul also feels bad that Frankie was killed and would rather see him swimming around the ocean. But Paul says he can also see the positive effect Frankie has had. Hundreds of thousands of people have seen this shark and we've talked to so many people about why they're important in the ocean and the challenges that they face on the conservation level. By the end of their tour, both Natalie and Henry say they feel bad for Frankie. It's, it's a scary looking animal, yeah, but I just feel sad that it's dead, really. It's a shame that I guess that something like this needs to exist to be able to inform people, but it's if good it that it does, yeah. because if it helps, yeah, then uh, we, can, we can help save these lovely animals. And that reaction is exactly what Paul says he wants. You know, I want people to feel sorry for him. You know, he's a, a poor old dead shark in a bus. It's quite tragic, really. Frankie may be dead and gone, but Frankie's message is about the future of his relatives. Paul says one thing that's killing sharks is plastic. You know, plastic has a, an awful lot to do with sharks. There's lots of documented injuries from plastic entanglement with sharks. Uh, it's, plastic is one of the biggest threats to our oceans. If we don't get a handle on this problem, everything is going to be threatened. A display of plastic bottle cups, fishing lines, balloons and drinking straws is Paul's way to get people talking. You know, it's really fun when you see families come across the plastic pollution display. It's probably one of the things that they talk about the most. And I guess in some ways, the way we present it, it just reminds people that plastic is a part of their life. It's all surrounding and it's a very direct impact on the environment. As Paul winds up one more day on the shark bus, he rings the bell that announces the closing of the museum. Then he closes the door and starts the long job of packing away the displays. He counts his money. He made $60 today. It's not much, but it's enough to keep the museum doors open. But what really keeps the museum going is that Paul sees how Shark in the Bus changes people. We generally have good interactions where you can 
visually see someone's understanding shifting. We also get people coming back who um, actually cite how it changed their their perception and uh, put them on a on a different journey. Paul's goal is to get a sponsor so he doesn't have to charge admission. Until then, Paul will make sure visitors get their $5 worth by introducing them to a great white shark named Frankie, a shark whose spirit sends a message from an old bus rolling around Australia. For Alternatives Journal, I'm Elizabeth Claire Alberts in Nelson Bay, Australia.